0: tired, but I had my treatment and it worked. We have to find Marco. We're a family. Allie and I exchanged a glance. Cass had been flown across an ocean by a griffin, who then prepped him for lunch. Plus, he was recovering from a so-called treatment, and that wasn't easy. We'd all had treatments. We needed them to survive. They held off our symptoms temporarily so we can go on this crazy quest to find a permanent cure. In fact, the Karai Institute's first job is to help us cope with the effects of the G7W. Not to brag or anything, but having G7W means you're descended from the royal family of the ancient kingdom of Atlantis, which is probably the coolest thing about incredibly ordinary, shockingly talent-free me, a.k.a. Jack McKinley. On the positive side, G7W takes the things you're already good at, like sports for Marco, computer geekiness for Allie, and photographic memory for Cass, and turns those qualities into superpowers. On the negative side, the cure involves finding the stolen loculi of Atlantis, which were hidden centuries ago in the Seven Wonders of the Ancient World. And if that wasn't hard enough, six of those wonders don't exist anymore. Aloculus, by the way, is a fancy Atlantean word for orb with cool magic power. And we did find one. The story involves a hole in time and space, which I made by accident, a griffin, disgusting half-eagle, half-lion that came through the hole, a trip to Rhodes, where said griffin tried to lunch on Cass, some crazy monks, Greek and the Colossus of Rhodes, which came to life and tried to kill us. There's more to it, but all you need to know is that I was the one who let the griffin through, so the whole thing was basically my fault. Hey, Allie said, looking at me through squinty eyes. I turned away. Hey, what? I know what you're thinking, Jack, she said, and stop it. You are not responsible for what happened to Cass. Honestly, I think that girl reads minds as a hobby. Torquin responsible! Torquin bellowed. He pounded the steering wheel, which made the whole vehicle jump into the air like a rusty, oil leaking wallaby. Got arrested. Left you alone. Could not help Cass. Could not stop Marco from flying away with Loculus. Arrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr! Cass moaned again. Oh, my Nielps. Um, Torquin, Allie said. Easy on the steering wheel, okay? What is Neelps? Torquin asked. Spleen, I explained. You have to spell it backward. Luckily, the jeep reached the end of the winding jungle path and burst onto the tarmac of a small landing field. We were finally at our destination. Before us, gleaming on the pavement, was a sleek, retrofitted military stealth jet. Torquin braked the jeep to a squealing stop, doing a perfect 180. Two people were inspecting the plane. One of them was a ponytail guy with half glasses. The other was a girl with tats and black lip gloss, who looked a little like my last au pair, Vanessa, only deader. I vaguely remembered meeting both of these people in our cafeteria, the comestibule. Eldiff, Cass said groggily. The girl looked alarmed. He's lost the ability to speak English. No, he's speaking his favorite language, Allie replied. Backwardish. It's a form of English. That's how we know he's feeling better. Those two people, Cass muttered, those are their names. I sounded out the words in my head, imagined their spelling, and then mentally rearranged the letters back to front. I think he means fiddle- and Nirvana. ah! Oh! Fiddle looked toward us with a tight smile. "'I have been rushing this baby into service. Her name is Slippy, she's my pride and joy, and she will hit Mach 3 if you push her.' Nirvana drummed her long, black-painted nails on the jet's wall. "'A vessel that breaks the sound barrier deserves a great sound system. I loaded it up with MP3s.' Fiddle pulled her hand away. "'Please!' It's a new paint job. Sorry, Picasso, she replied. Anyway, there's some slasher rock.